the only way that it really works and really locks you in is if you get stuck. Because a lot of times people will use your anger, your frustration, right? You you didn't do anything. This person just came out of nowhere and now they're 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 bothering you, they're harassing you, they are doing something to try to impact your life. And what I discovered is that the only way that any of those people would be able to impact my life is if I gave them the opportunity to open the door by focusing on them versus what my, what my real purpose was. Welcome to Off the Top, where Black excellence dwells. All right, beautiful people. Let's get right into this, brother. Today, we are honored to be gathering knowledge from a brilliant forward thinker, Dr. Michael Lee Perry, someone who takes obstacles and turns them into opportunities for his greatness. Listen, learn, connect to Dr. Michael E. Perry. Okay, welcome to another episode of Ebony Tree Council's Off the Top, where we build a bridge for young people to dream. We build a bridge to give them encouragement and then lift them because images do matter. And we want to provide positive, uplifting images to our young folks as they strive to learn how to navigate this world. And today I am so pleased to have with us a special guest, Dr. Mike Perry. How are you today, sir? Hey, man, I am awesome, Fred. How are you, man? I'm well, I'm well. Thank Good. you. Thank you for asking. I'm going to enjoy this a lot. Uh, really, really, before we get started, I just want to let the audience to know this is a brother in Christ. We fellowship, we commune, and we try to connect in the community and do things. And so we're going to talk about uh, Mike's journey and what we can glean from that from our young folks today. So if you wouldn't mind, would you tell us a little bit about who you are and where you're from. Yes, sir. Um, I'm always happy to talk about where I'm from, but uh, I'm Dr. Mike Perry. That's what they call me. Uh, you can call me Mike Fred. Uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, Actually, I hail from Virginia, uh, Portsmouth, Virginia, actually, Hampton Roads area, um, and currently living in Evans, Georgia with my wife of 24 years, Wendy. And um, I have two daughters, 19, almost 20 now, one of them, and uh, 22. And uh, yeah, I, I uh, came here actually to this area, the Augusta area after retiring. Well, actually I was still in the army, I was stationed here. And um, I was trying to get out for years until I realized, hey, this might actually be the place for us. <laughs> um, it's, it's an awesome area. And so uh, we decided to stay in the Augusta area. And so um, after 22 years, almost in the army, um, finishing that as an army psychologist, I uh, got out of the army and thought, you know, um, hey, Wendy, life's good right now. You know, things seem pretty easy. Why don't we start a business and make life hard? <laughs> so that's what we did. <laughs> so uh, we, we founded our, our consulting business, Catalyst. Um, shoot. Oh, and we're in May, right? So we're, we're, I think we're about seven years in now, um, having founded our business. So, and through that, you know, what we do is we really try to help leaders uh, understand the value of people and understand how to shape culture and create a place that people want to be. So our company is all about 
uh, relationships. Um, and that's what I'm all about as well. So that's a little bit uh, about me, Fred. I, I run that company with Wendy. She is the co-founder and uh, we have a good time doing it. And that's what I really love about you all. You are an amazing couple. And I just have to go out and say shout out to Miss Wendy Perry. Yes, sir. The, the other half of the dynamic duo. And let me tell you, talk about weld oil machine. Talk about giving to the community. You all exemplify that and really appreciate the efforts that you have put forth in the community. Man, thank you so much. Um, I don't know where that came from, Fred. I mean, honestly, I mean, I, I don't know. Early on, I didn't imagine that it would look this way. But um, what I did know in terms of Wendy is that I wanted a marriage that was going to last and be real and genuine, right? And um, I think that's what we, that's what we have. We, it, it, took a, it, it took work to get there, but I think that's what we have. And so our company and the work that we do, um, I think it was given to us a while ago that like everything we do virtually is together, like mm. almost everything. And so it's, it's an interesting way to do business, but it is, uh, you said a well, well machine and I appreciate that. <laughs> hey, the machine works. I, that, the machine I'll say that. works. There it is. <laughs> there it is. It, it takes a, a lot of dedication, commitment and communication yeah. to work with your significant other. Uh, we're learning those uh, growing pains as we go along as well. And uh, it is a journey. It is a journey. But well, the journey is not for us. The journey is for, for the Lord and for the community. So. Yeah, yeah. And I, I should say, man, you all are, y'all are doing it. You and Anna are really killing it. Um, and, and you stepped out there and on faith and you all just had a, you know, just made a plan and just stepped forward. Your logo is fire, by the way. I love, I, 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 from day one, I love this logo. <laughs> all right, man. <laughs> but uh, I just appreciate who you are, who you are, just how genuine and real you all are, the work that you're doing and that you committed yourselves to. It's, it's amazing. And you're doing it together. So um, I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. She keeps me going, keeps me focused and on my toes. You know, it took me a long time to come to terms with I, my way is not always the right way. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you got, and you got yourself a legit DC girl as, yes, as did I. <laughs> <laughs> so that, so that has it, its own kind of flavor in and of itself, man. Yes, it's great. Yes, yes. Yeah. So let's jump on in here. And what we'd like to do today is kind of just go over you know, some things with you and your beginnings to give our kids some insight on, you know, journeys. So yeah. what I'd like to do is talk about uh, the young, the high school Mike Perry and tell us about the lessons that stuck with you during that transition from high school. Yeah, um, well, the high school, Mike Perry is it, it, a complex dude, actually. Mm -hmm. um, you know, early on, I played, I started playing football in junior high school and um, I actually quit the mm -hmm. team. Um, and so when I got to, when I got to high school, I skipped a year and then I decided to go ahead and go out for football again because quitting felt so, it was so, it felt so bad. It just stuck with me. Uh, mm -hmm. It's like, I couldn't shake it. And so I committed myself to never quitting anything again in my whole life. And so there began my, my high school football journey. Um, I thought I was going to go to college on a football scholarship and got hurt the summer um, before my senior season. That was supposed to be kind of the breakout year. And I missed the whole season with a, with a pretty bad arm injury. Um, and so at that point, you know, I was, 
because you know, I was I was okay. I was an average student in high school, even though I was in the gifted program early on. Um, I put all my effort into into a lot of other things, you know, into um, you know my girlfriend, into playing football, into trying to hang out with the fellas sometimes, or just kind of at home kicking it. And so um, I think <laughs> the 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 lesson that I took from that, as I kind of look at it in retrospect, is that. Um, there's a lot of opportunity because I, I, I put it all in football, right? And so there was a lot of opportunity that I missed because had I put a, because I was thinking to myself, hey, I'm gonna get a scholarship, it'll be fine. And so I really wasn't sweating very much, just do well enough and it'll be okay. Mm-hmm. And I maintained that pretty well. But when that door closed, I hadn't done enough work so that the other doors opened up. So it narrowed down my, the possibilities, right? To just maybe literally two, um, schools that were willing to um, bring me on instead of many. And so from the academic standpoint, I probably could have done a lot. I, I had a lot more opportunity. And even if I saw you know, the opportunities that my children, my own children got when they went through high school, and that was mostly just on, that was mostly on, on like academics, right? And so um, there's a lot of work, a lot of, a lot of meat left on the bone in high school, a lot of things that mm. I could have done. However, I also learned that when opportunity knocks, all you need is one, really, to change your life. So you just have to step forward into what's there. Just one, absolutely. Yeah. And, and you said something very important there that I wanted to uh, touch on for a minute, and that was having to pivot from your original dreams. And oftentimes, our young people get laser-focused on one thing, and when the pivot happens, because it happens yeah. to almost everyone, the, the strength of who we are becomes, you know, how do we make the best of what's left on the table? Yeah. yeah. It sounded like you were able to make that pivot uh, successfully. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, it, it's not a matter of what happens or that something will happen because something is going to happen. It's going to throw you off, period. Like all of us, that's just living. It's always what happens next. And so a lot of people ask, well, what's happening? Why, why are so many things happening to me? Why me? Why me? I don't know why you, right? But it's always about what happens next. What do you do then, right? And so for me, um, I, you know, I sat around with that cast on, depressed a little bit, but we started kind of trying to, you know, move forward. And, you know, of the opportunities that came, um, you know, Naval Academy was one of them. And um, I went to, to their prep school because that's where they sent people who needed a little academic work and maybe who need to rehab from injury and all that stuff for a year. So, um, and I needed both. <laughs> so I went to their prep school up in Rhode Island. And um, the idea was to go to the Naval Academy after that. And mm-hmm. so that was, that was a hard thing for a kid who grew up, my dad was in the army, but I didn't, you know, I, I never really anticipated going into a military lifestyle, but that was the door that was open. And so I went and um, it was hard, but that commitment I made to myself way back when, like to never quit. Never quit. Um, that got me through a lot of difficult days as I transitioned into that program. So, um, but yeah, yeah, you're, you're, you're right. It's uh, that pivot is what caused me to say yes to something that I, otherwise I would not even consider. And oftentimes it's, it's our support system that gives us the strength, the courage to make that pivot and not get down on ourselves while we're trying to figure out what happens next. Yeah. What was your support system like? Um, I have to say I have a remarkable family, 
um, you know, my, both my parents, um, my sister, sisters, but my oldest sister in particular, um, amazing support, right? There, I, you know, I was telling people not long ago that um, I don't, a lot of people's story of people telling them things they could not do. I, that's not really my story. I mean, my story of people always showing up, always saying, hey, you can do it sometimes questioning what I did, like, huh, I don't know if I would do that. <laughs> but um, amazing support from my family, um, you know, immediate and extended. And so I would say throughout my life, that has been a consistent theme. They've always been there. They always show up. That's wonderful. That's yeah. wonderful. And so now we want to talk about, and I really want to understand, you chose the Army over the Navy. Being a retired um, Navy man myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, all right. So here's here's what happened. Um, the Navy was they were the ones who knocked on the door mm -hmm. first or only, and and they took me up to, um, you know, the to we went to Annapolis before when you're being recruited. They do all the cool stuff. So on opening day, um, first game, there's parade and there's cookout and tailgate and all that. And I was like, wow, this is cool. The uniforms are cool. And I'm like, yeah, I could do this. Literally, Fred, that was the extent of my research. They're gonna let me, they're gonna let me play football. The the tailgate was awesome. Uniforms cool. Yeah, the answer is yes. Let's go. <laughs> and there it so, is. <laughs> and so um, I went. But what I learned when I was at Navy Prep. Now, and, and being at Navy Prep, it's not like being in the real Navy, right? But you still get some, you get some elements of that culture as you're walking around base. And what I discovered is that even as a young person, I, I recognize the hierarchical, hierarchical, I noticed that the Navy, they got a way, right? You, if you're low, they're going to treat you low. If they yes. perceive that you are ranked high, they're going to treat you like a king. And even, even like the, the, the spouses, like the Navy wives, you're supposed to walk around and salute cars, right? And they stop the car, like you didn't salute the car. And I'm like, you all are out of your mind, <laughs> right? And so, and, and the, the uniforms, what stood out to me probably the most um, in the Navy, you can tell from a mile away, generally where the rank is, the, the rank of the person you're looking at, you can tell, they want you to be able to tell. Mm -hmm. And so in the army, uh, in contrast, right, you can't tell who you're looking at, you got to be almost arms reach before you can really understand what the rank is. Mm -hmm. And so that stood out to me, because I thought, you know, I can't, I can't be in a culture where there are the, for lack of a better word, have have nots, the subservient folks who have to, you know, somehow I, it, it was it was just the culture of it was was way too old school traditional and it seemed like you know i don't i, I don't want to disparage you, you know i mean because i love navy hey y'all do great work right <laughs> but, it was sailors all the way <laughs> right but but there's something about that culture that didn't align yeah. with um how i wanted to live my life basically so that's i can put it there i can summarize it that way that's what's up yeah. And I, you, you said something that was important there is the research with the opportunity, yeah. because, you know, just because we have an opportunity, sometimes when it feels like if I don't grab this, there's going to be nothing else. Yeah. You know, we, we rush to accept and we want to, you know, share with our young folks that the research is also important. Yeah. Research is also important. And it's key that you focus on what matters most to you and the future you that you think you want to become. So that was great. 
Yeah. So now you you transitioned mm-hmm. to army. Yes. So. And... <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead, man. No, I was just yeah. I transitioned because okay. So I have to tell you, I, I didn't come on here to to be um, to tell a, a perfect story, right? Because my story is not perfect, mm-hmm. and so you know, as, as, but I'll keep it short in that, you know, that year at Navy prep, it was great for me to grow, but I realized, Hey, the Navy's not it. I applied for an, for an army ROTC scholarship. Cause I thought, you know, I'll just leave here, finish the year and I'll go to a, an ROTC program. Um, and I did plan to finish the year, but I got kicked out before the end of the year. Okay. Um, okay. I got kicked out because, um, you know, it, now this academics were hard. I think I took equivalent of a 24 hour course load. And it was hard. So one, so one quarter, and we were on a quarter system. It was looking bad. I'm like, well, this is it. I said, you know, fellas, it's been real. A couple of us, we, we knew it's <laughs> over. So what we're gonna do? We're gonna go out with a bang. And it's a military mm-hmm. school, so we, you mm-hmm. know, there were there were constraints. We went out on the week on a on a weeknight, which is like utterly taboo. You don't do that. Yes. And um, got caught. Long story short, um, that was enough to get kicked out of school. Mm-hmm. So. Um, Fortunately, I had already applied for that Army ROTC scholarship and I had it in my back pocket. I just didn't plan to go out like that, right? Mm-hmm. And so I, um, I, I went, I kind of went home and I, in shame is what it felt like. Um, and so, but the cool thing about that was that my, my family, the same ones who supported me all the way through, embraced me, you know, coming back home in shame and helped me to really kind of make that shift into the next chapter was, it was, you know, which was into Army ROTC. And going to a military school, prepared you pretty well for that right so i so i, I kind of excelled in the rotc program at norfolk state university so that's that's how i kind of end up in the on the in the army route norfolk state university yes, yes sir indeed and you said something else important i must say this right quick when we're on the show i like to call out the nuggets that people identify and i do that because i want the listeners to really hone in on it is that one was although that you, know, you made a decision that might not have been the best decision, you, know, you accepted it, you took that, and your support system was still there for you. One yeah. and two is you know yes, we have a choice. We can live in you know shame of some of our decisions, or we can pick ourselves up and move forward. And no credit to you and your support system. You you had the space to ruminate on that and then move forward into something else that was better suited for you. Yeah, 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 it absolutely was. You know, ended up, ended up being a blessing, you know, all that all that training and all that working out and all that, you know, cause I did play football. And um, so I was, by the time I got to Norfolk State, I, stayed, I was kind of a machine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it made it so that I, I came in, you know, I left one place head down, you know, in shame, so to speak. But mm-hmm. by the time everything kicked off, I was ready. And, you know, I came in, it, prepare to really excel and that's what happened yeah. and that was just part of the growth trajectory that you had there that's right so when you were at Norfolk State what was the toughest lesson that you had to learn hmm I think you know as as I as I moved through Norfolk State um one of the toughest lessons I had to learn I think is that well no you know what Brett, it was actually relearning a lesson I learned years Perfect. before and that is even when it doesn't feel good, even when there's pain, you can't quit. Because about beginning of junior year, and everybody I think experiences it in college, but 
you know, at about junior years when I started to burn out a little bit, like, man, I'm tired of this. Why am I doing this? I just want to go somewhere, maybe go to the beach. You know, we're in Hampton Roads, probably 30 minutes from the beach. I just want to go and hang out maybe, but um, it's it, I just learned that you have to continue even when you don't feel like it to just take one step. And even if it doesn't feel like you made a lot of progress that day or that moment, just take the step and then continue to do that. And if you do that, you'll look back and the progress is real, but there is a point where you, that you hit where you've gone too far to go back but it feels like you can't see the end. Mm -hmm. And when you get there, you just have to continue to just take each next step. I think that's one big lesson I learned. Um, and, and the other I think is uh, you have to really understand as best you can at that age, um, who you are and where, where you feel like you're being called to. I think a lot of us, um, and certainly I got get a lot of advice, like this is what you need to do to get a real job. This is what you need to do to make money. My mother told me something really key years ago, and, and it's just stuck with me. She said, you know, figure out what God has for you to do, because money won't satisfy you. She said, if you figure out what God has for you to do and you do it, then the money will follow. Whatever you need is going to follow, but do not chase money. It is one of the best pieces of advice I've ever received in my entire life. And there it is. That's another nugget right there. I'm loving it. I'm loving it. And you said something else I want to step back into. And that was like, take that first step. Just take one step at a time and keep mm -hmm. moving forward. Uh, I read a book by Bruce Rickleson called Dream Giver, where he describes this person trying to go on a journey to the self-discovery and got stuck in that no man's land, where in addition to their doubts, you know, there were people out there telling them, go left, go right, go and he had to decide, discern from all of that, you know, what was best for him and, and what was the dream giver guiding him and directing him towards. And I thought that was kind of really, really similar to what you were describing there today. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I think, you know, the, and, and people are, they mean well, our parents mm -hmm. and people around you and mentors, people guiding, they mean well. Um, but if you have something, if you have a vision, a lot of times people don't get your vision because it's not theirs, right? They can't even speak the language. They can't, they can't wrap their mind around what's in your head because it was planted uniquely for you. And so that can feel very lonely sometimes. Um, but I believe that God has kind of given us each something really unique. And if we're just, if we just take that next step and we trust him, like I think back, there's never been a time where he's let me down. There's been, there's been times when I've been afraid, but mm -hmm. <laughs> I've been uncertain, but you just got to really try to understand what it is for you. And even when it looks bad, even when somebody's saying, Hey, you know what I told you, see, try to tell mm -hmm. you to do this thing. You got to really know what's for you and don't, and don't be afraid to continue to take that next step and find, find and, and find your people, right? Your tribe, mm -hmm. the people that do get you, right? My, my, my daughter oldest wants to be a, an actor. Well, guess what? She's begun to find other actors, right? She's going to find other people in that industry, but she's just not talking about it. She's also doing all the work required to build up to um, where she wants to be. And so I think if, and if you're doing that work, you'll find the people, you'll find your tribe. So um, sometimes your tribe, you know, you, the people you know are not them as it pertains to what, what you will be as you mature and grow. 
I'm gonna tell you, my fingers gonna get tired here. Keep writing all the nuggets that you're dropping there. This one, so far, I'm gonna say so far, is one of my favorite. Is find your tribe, yeah. Uh, because this is a period of time where you know, you're doing all you can just to figure out yourself. That's right. You know, let alone really discerning about those true friends, those true people that connect with you, that have the same insight, the same mission, and you know, the journeys are aligned. And yeah. It's not something that to be taken lightly. It's not something to be rushed into. Either. That's right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because, I mean, those people just kind of give you that little, that little extra you need to keep going another day, another minute, if you find them. But it helps shape your discipline too. And, and that kind of bring, what brings me to mind is the Hebrews 12, 11, where we talk about the discipline is for our good. And if we stick to it enough, we'll see the benefit of it. Yeah. And that's part of our shaping and part of our journey, you know, figuring those yeah. things out. That, that's a nugget right there, Fred, because I think, write it down. yeah, any, any, anything that you do that's consistently applied is going to change something, period, right? If you, if you want to, you want to be stronger, go and start lifting weight. You don't even have to lift a lot of weight. You just got to lift that weight consistently. You want to learn something new, just go and begin to consume that right and if you do that enough over and over and over again then one day you will grow in that area and a lot of times not as long as you might think so i think a lot of people quit too early and yeah. so I, yeah that's so good man so good and what we do at every tree council with our kids is that we do teach them developing habits we coach them in habit formation and the foundation of that is like what you said, it's a compounding effect. Little small doses over time yields huge returns uh, later down the road. You just have to keep focusing and keep tracking that thing. So beautiful. That's it, yes sir. So we're gonna move now into the post-college area for you. So you've graduated Norfolk State, you're an officer in the army and would like to kind of explore some of the things you were able to observe about people and being able to understand, you know, the importance of the right types of relationships for our young people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I think coming out of college, um, there's, there's, a, there's always a lot going on, I think, as you're beginning to transition and you're wondering what your career is going to be. Now, you know, going through ROTC and going to a military career, you kind of know there's a path. You don't know what it's going to look like. But, you know, I, I knew there was going to be a job. I ended up, up at Walter Reed in Washington, mm -hmm. D.C. And um, I had some friends call me and say, no, that's going to kill your career. You can't go to a place like D.C. as a military person first. Right. That's something you could, you do later. You got to go out there in the field. And, you know, and I'm like, well, listen here, I'm going to just go. <laughs> <laughs> go to DC and see how this thing works out. You know, if it doesn't work out, I'll go down in a blaze, <laughs> yeah. but I'm going to DC. Right. Um, so, but going to Walter Reed actually was a great, great, great first assignment because it, it just worked out. I was really blessed. I didn't plan any of this, but I find myself um, in one job that lasts for a few weeks and, and to talk about learning about people in that job. I learned that people who are supposed to be um, responsible for your development and growth and supposed to care and all that. They sometimes they don't. Mm -hmm. And I was a little bit, a little bitter about that mm -hmm. until I realized that 
that person was necessary, right? All the people who are haters and detractors and who might be working against you, they're actually necessary because sometimes they push you into where you're supposed to be. And so I find myself in my second job at Walter Reed after only about three weeks there um, because the initial person did not want um, a military person in his role in that position. Mm -hmm. He wanted a civilian. So pushed me over to this place I'd never heard of, um, a little office that they're, they're responsible for uh, performance and, uh, improvement and risk management in the hospital. They investigate things and do, you know, do training and all that. And so I find myself there brand new in that office, which is also pretty ridiculous. It was an amazing role for me. Mm. And so there I began to learn. I, I met all these, this new crew of people. They were my tribe. They were kind of like misfits, <laughs> but <laughs> These were my people. Why? Because they they were loyal and they were just trying to, all they cared about was whether or not I was okay and winning. Mm. Right. And so there was this mutual give and take. And so um, that was cool, which then led me into a job where I was the assistant to the um, hospital commander uh, general there, which is uh, early in your career, amazing position. But that's when I began to learn a lot about what it, what it really looked like behind the scenes and how people um, how transactional people can be sometimes, and how sacrificial and amazingly genuine and supportive people can be all at the same time. It's all true, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, people often, you know, ask me, well, you know, how 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 do you think people are treating you? How do you think the world's treating me? I'm like, I, you know, it just is, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of good, some not so good, but um, I learned to just take, really kind of roll with the punches and take the good with the bad. And I always found myself with someone else who was ready and willing to really serve as my family, that surrogate family, like the one I left back in Virginia, I found a new family. And with every time I moved, I began to love it because every single time I moved, that's what happened, Fred. It, there was like a, a new family to create and it never failed. It always happened. And so I, I think that was probably my favorite part about um, being in the army and having to move around a little bit. Man, talk about fast track to have that type of uh, experience and exposures and early in your career, that is definitely a fast track. Yeah. And what, what I'm hearing and, and what I wanted to kind of settle on a little bit is uh, perspective. And what I'm hearing from you is that no matter what the circumstances have been, your perspective is generally been positive in whatever experience that you're having um yeah I, yeah I, I think that's probably accurate i've always tried to keep a positive perspective even though things haven't always gone my way right there's been some things you know there's some people i've had some issues with there's been some knockdown drag out some screaming matches and all that but ultimately just like you know earlier earlier on in life um the core was always the same there's always that support system to fall back on. Um, and for I think that's very important for anybody. If you're going to get out there and live your life and, and really try to understand what your purpose is, it's important to always establish that support network. But with mine, I think the important thing is, and I don't know if this is about what you try to pour into it and what you get back out of it, but I've always had, I think, just the right balance of do you believe this foolishness, right? I, you, sometimes you got to have somebody where you can say, this is, this is crazy. I can't yeah. believe that happened. I don't like it. You got to be able to have that conversation, even mm -hmm. as you had, even as you continue to pull yourself out of that to begin to see what the, what the lesson is, what the point is of it all. 
what you're going to do next, right? Um, and because if you don't do that, that pivot you talked about earlier is very difficult to do because people get stuck. Well, why did he do that? Why did she say that? Mm-hmm. Ultimately, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't. Um, because people are going to, just like all the adversity you, you will ever face, you're going to face people who have things to say and they will try to knock you off your game. Um, and if you get stuck on them, then you'll miss it. And I think a lot of times, um, you know, some people would say it's the enemy, right? <laughs> that, you know, it's a spiritual mm-hmm. enemy that's working against you. The only way that it really works and really locks you in is if you get stuck. Because a lot of times people will use your anger, your frustration, right? You, you didn't do anything. This person just came out of nowhere. And now they're, they're, they're bothering you. They're harassing you. They are doing something to try to impact your life. And what I discovered is that the only way that any of those people would be able to impact my life is if I gave them the opportunity to open the door by focusing on them versus what my, what my real purpose was. So. Wow. That, that's beautiful, man. And I'm a little curious about uh, how you arrive at that. Um, many times we have young folks that ruminate internally and they don't uh, express themselves, but either they feel like they aren't allowed to, or they're in an environment where they really can't. So what kind of tools would you recommend for folks to help them get unstuck? Who? Wow. Um, I think first, the first thing I think that people have to grasp is the idea of running your race Mm. right doing what you have to do because because you know we there's a lot of things that you can take in especially by way way of your phone on social media on the internet we're always kind of we're looking at people and what they're doing and it's like wow and so there's this constant sense that I'm not doing enough I'm kind of behind Mm -hmm. and that's a problem right because we don't but when you look at somebody, even if you're talking to them and they're having, they're having a grand old time and things are going well, you don't really know where they are. You don't know what's happening behind the scenes in their life. You don't know where they, what they're really struggling with. So, you know, I ask people a lot of time, if you're if, like, if you've ever been on a plane or shoot, if you're on the highway, just going out, if you're riding down the highway with somebody and you pass them, are you winning? Are you ahead of them or not? Well, you don't know because you don't know where they're going. And so as we compare ourselves to people, we don't know where they're going. We don't know really where they are. We don't know when they started for that matter. And so um, I think it's important to avoid comparison. But I also think it's important to understand that, well, I should say, we should should give no one the opportunity to impact our future. Hmm. Meaning, you know, people will do things like I said to kind of to make you angry to aggravate or irritate you in order to push you over the line so that you, so now you do something to impact your own future and so it can be very difficult to endure the things that people say or the things that you see but you have to understand the bigger picture um because the bigger picture is like there was a guy that job that I got at Walter Reed very prestigious I must say I met a lot mm-hmm. of people you know movie stars and like three four chairman of the joint chiefs mm-hmm. and politicians and Emmett Smith and George Bush and Arnold Schwarzenegger and the list, Jackie Joyner Curse, the list goes on and on, right? Mm-hmm. But 
like there was a guy who I'd been I'd been trained who I'd been training with before we ever got to Walter Reed. We were back in Fort Bragg at this thing, and he was just known to kind of be you know he he loved the spotlight, and so he was but he and he was just annoying, right? And he just he would do stuff to try to poke and prod you. Mm-hmm. I just kind of kept I just kept doing what I stayed in my lane and did the things that I had to do in order to progress. So we get to Walter Reed now, and we actually were competing for that position. It came down to two people, me and that guy. Mm-hmm. And um, he, he actually on, on paper, on paper, he'd actually, well, you could say he won back at Fort Bragg because I was not a spotlight type person. I just did what I needed to do. But when it, but that wasn't real, like at a real place, you know, when we got mm-hmm. to Walter Reed, we competed for the same job. I won that job. And um, I remember him saying, yeah, you know, I just went in there. I didn't really, I just, I said, you know, he, I didn't really do much. You know, I just had a conversation with him and, you know, whatever. But what I discovered is that dude went in there with a thick old book, <laughs> right, of his accomplishments. And wow. I mean, he went in there really by knowing that the job was his and it was not. Mm-hmm. And so I focused not on him, but just what the next thing was for me. Ultimately, I won that job, right? And so I guess I tell that long story to say, if you get caught up on that, the person out externally versus understanding mm-hmm. what you're supposed to be doing, you'll miss it. And, you know, not because that person is better, but because you were not focused on what it is you're supposed to do. A lot of times it's going to look like people are, you know, they're, they're getting things that you think you should have. I've taken on the perspective that if I didn't get it, it was never mine in the first place. Yeah. And, and you're saying something, uh, very critical for our young folks to understand too is that when you're living your life from an outside in perspective those external factors that we cannot control by the way yeah. will will govern our emotions our physical our spiritual everything about us mm-hmm. whereas when you turn that around and start with the inner you and focus on that and do mindfulness and prayer and meditation and those things, you're able to better connect with who you are and stay grounded in that as you run your own race, like you said earlier. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All those things, the mindfulness, the meditation, the prayer, being still mm-hmm. calm, right? Because when you're when you're calm, your brain works differently. Yes. When you're calm, you can access all those dreams and hopes and create the plans. You can access all that. But when you're anxious about what everybody else is doing, now you're chasing something and you're anxious and you're not you're not thinking as clearly. But more importantly, you're not seeing and hearing, right? Not the things you're supposed to, right? You have a lot of noise. So if you can find some calm, then you will hear God speak. Or, he, or you get nudged in certain directions. You'll see, and you'll see opportunity. And you'll have the words. And you'll have the plans. But you got to find some calm space. And that is not by you know, kind of getting anxious about what everybody else is doing or what they're saying. All right, so we're going to press a little forward ahead now and talk about not quite right where you were with your transition from the arm, but just a little bit about leadership, because we want to impress upon our young folks that even if you're not in charge, you're still leading yourself, and you have opportunities to demonstrate that leadership in different ways, so Mm-hmm. What advice would you give for to our audience about just one nugget about leadership? Um, yeah, okay. The, the one I the one I'll give them is this: um, you should stop seeing leadership as a position, 
mm-hmm. and start seeing it as influence. It is a mm-hmm. thing that anybody can be doing at any time. It's not about I'm in charge, I'm going to stay in charge, and this is what I'm going to do. No, it's sometimes it's time for you to follow and listen. Well, it's always time to listen, but mm-hmm. sometimes it's time for you to kind of step back. And sometimes it's time for you to go ahead and use what's been planted in you to step forward and to influence, you know, some, one or more people to do something that perhaps they would not have done unless you showed up. That's very important. And it's really critical when it comes to us being able to make change in our community, because quite often, you know, folks may be looking at the positional authority to find their direction on how to make community changes, but it's people that are connecting together with the same heart, with the same spirit that have influence that make change happen. And that's one of the things we like to impress upon our young folks is that have that influence. Absolutely. That's it. So, so now you decide to become an entrepreneur. Yep. That was, um, (laughs) yeah, I, you know, I look back on it. I'm like, you know, you were in the clear, Mike. I mean, all you had to do is just manage those, manage your pennies. Could have just kind of kicked it and been fishing every day. Go fishing. I was waiting on it. I love the fish. I love the bass fish. Yes. But um, but yeah, it was it was important to me because I was actually, you know, I got out of the army at about 22 years. Had I gone with my original plan, which I created way back at the beginning, I probably would have gone about 30, but there was something else kind of pulling me, right? Because I knew that, you know, the influence that leaders have on people in their lives. And I thought that I had something to offer to that. And I didn't believe that the space existed within the army for me to really see that through in the way that I, that I thought it could be done. I thought, you know, it might be more if, if about it, well, it was more about lip service, I think in the army. Mm. And, and what I mean is people saying, yeah, leadership is important. People are important, but the, you know, the behavior that follow not is inconsistent with that idea. So I needed to be somewhere where people are ready to do the work and challenge themselves. So it's time to get out. So that's what I did. And um, yeah, so then the, the business, we start the business uh, in 2015 and um, it's, it's been, it's been good, but very challenging starting something of your own, what you got to get used to is it's like riding a bicycle uphill with slightly deflated tires when you're trying to start a business because oh, I love it. <laughs> you, you get this visual, right? Riding uh-huh. a bicycle slightly uphill, tires deflated. That's hard to do. And the, as soon as you stop pedaling, it stops moving. <laughs> yes. Right. And so, you know, when you have a, a nine to five and somebody else is paying, I mean, you can go wherever you want, do whatever you want. The check's going to hit. Right. When I was in the army, that check hit in the beginning of the month and the end of the month or, um, or the middle and the end, whatever it was, it hit every time, no matter what I was doing. And when you're an entrepreneur, it doesn't work quite that way. And mm-hmm. so there's a building that has to take place before you get that momentum that begins to carry itself. And, and that, 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 uh, hibernation period, that, that period where you're growing, although you're facing the world, can be a little bit intimidating and frustrating at the same time, because often in not, and I find myself doing this too, you're impatient with the growth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You want it all yeah. to happen now. Yeah. You know what? That's, yeah, I love it. And, and the fact that, you're, that your logo is a tree, I think is very deep in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. but, you know, growth is a thing that happens in its time. Because you can only be as ready as you are 
today. And in order to be ready for something else, you have there has to be this growth that takes place. And a lot of times we get in a rush. And again, we're comparing, we're looking left and right. Wow, look at that that business. They're doing great. Look at this guy. Look at these podcasts. It's really important to just stay the course because you will have that moment when you begin to question, kind of like midway in college, like, what am I doing here? Mm-hmm. I could have done something else. And so I that's but that doubt is natural. I think every entrepreneur has that point. And that's the point where it's time to take just the next step and the next. But when it when it's time for it to grow, it will. But it will not grow until it's time. You can't shout at a seed and say, grow seed. Yes. yes. <laughs> right. There's a certain temperature, time, <laughs> right? Um, a certain amount of watering that has to take place. Mm-hmm. And when the conditions are right, things begin to emerge that you never saw, that you didn't see before anyway. Amen. Yes, sir. So with your company now, uh, what direction are you guys going? (sighs) Yeah, we're going in all of them, Fred. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think, um, you know, we initially we were, you know, we started off, it was exclusively, you know, we're talking about leadership, coaching and training and help people to communicate better and resolve conflict and all that. And then the summer of George Floyd hits Mm. and businesses were faced with, they're being challenged in ways they haven't been challenged before to have conversations about race and diversity and all that. Um, And they didn't know how to do it. And a lot of them were afraid. So um, we had been doing a lot of work, just putting out stuff online free. And um, we weren't afraid to talk about it. So we began to go in and help people to have those conversations. And so, um, and I told Wendy after that first year, like after 2020, I'm just like, I'm done. We're not doing this anymore. And but people keep calling because they recognize that the, the things have changed and people with the places that they work are no longer this place where you come in here and it's like, yeah, no, we don't talk about any of that stuff here. This, you come here, mm-hmm. you work, and then you go home and you talk about everything else. No, people's lives are more integrated now. And so I think for us, it's about going forward. It's more about more about helping people understand um, that you can have a conversation that's difficult, but the relationship comes first, always, right? Always. And if you if you notice when people come together and you know they can't get anything done, they can't get anywhere. It's because everybody came to that table just about themselves, and they don't they have no idea who that person is that's sitting across the table from them. And so our, our approach is to help people understand the value of relationships and to help them create relationships in a shorter time than they thought possible. So that then, because when I have a relationship, well, now there's something to lose. If I, if I don't work it out with you, I got something to lose, Mm -hmm. right? Somehow I care about you a little bit more than I did before I knew your name. Right. And so if you know somebody's name and you can see them, it changes how you're, how you're able to walk through and work with them and collaborate with them and solve problems with them and argue with them and come back together and heal the relationship, right? So, yeah, I think it all starts with our relationships. And so I think as we move forward, it's just it's about more of that. But we're also doing some things, you know, we, as you know, we uh, do, Wendy and I uh, do a lot of speaking um, with regard mm-hmm. to marriage. We do um, at marriage conferences, we have our Facebook live show, The Marriage Shop on Monday nights. And so um, we're going to be growing that as well and doing some other things around 
um, that ministry it, because my whole goal has been to really close the gap between what we consider our work um, in our company and our ministry so that ultimately they become one in the same. And so we're, we're getting closer to doing that. Yeah. And, and just for the audience's sake, uh, just like when Mike said, there are things that they're not afraid to talk about. The marriage shop is a shining example of that. And if you haven't had a chance to check it out on Facebook, definitely do yourself a favor, whether you're in marriage or not, if you're in a relationship, listen and learn. Yeah. Highly encourage that for sure. Thank you for that, Fred. Yep, that's a marriage shop um, on Facebook and on YouTube. We, we live on Monday nights. Yep, at mm -hmm. 7 p.m. Eastern time on Monday nights. It's live. Yeah. And it's interesting that you mentioned uh, aligning business with ministry. Uh, and because our work life shouldn't differ from our play life and our ministry life. It's all the same. Yeah. And God delivers us into those things as one package. He didn't separate us out and tell us, you know, you do this way on Monday and this way on Tuesday. It's all interrelated. Because if in relationship, that genuineness has to be built on a foundation of trust. And if people can't trust who you are all the time, it doesn't make the relationship grow. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, Fred. I think one of the one of the coolest things that I've experienced going into business is the extent to which I can be myself genuinely, like with all the faith that I have in God and, you know, and, and how, you know, the way I speak and the way I look, all that stuff, I'm pretty much me now. I mean, I think I'm pretty professional dude, but I have, I have a lot of fun too. And, um, but, but I think that not only has it been well-received, I think it's made a difference in terms of particularly that, that ministry piece, right? I'm not, not out here preaching on the streets every day, right? But there's, there's something about just, you know, how, how you live and how you speak. People just recognize you. And um, it's, it's been amazing to see um, how people embrace that and how it makes a difference in terms of what you're showing out there. And even, I, think, I think even uh, our relationship, that is, you know, Wendy and I, like, I think our relationship kind of goes as an example. A lot of times we'll get done talking and we just put, we just laid down all this leadership fire. And the first question is, so what's it like to work together? <laughs> what's it like, <laughs> what's it like to speak together? And yeah. um, so we've always found it to be really, really comical, but, um, but that's, you know, that, that for some reason that stands out. That's amazing. That's yeah. one of the uh, milestones that Ann and I are trying to hit now is trying to figure out how to do this podcast together and talk to our audience, our, our, our guests together at the same time. We're still working on it. More to come on that. Well, sure. <laughs> you, if, you, if you want some quick advice, I will give you advice okay. in five seconds. Let's do and it. This will change your life. This is podcast. This is life. It's about sacrifice. It's about making room for your spouse. Mm -hmm. In your case, making room for Anna. Mm -hmm. And then there you, that's it. That's all. That's for free, Fred. You're welcome. <laughs> I'm going to write that as a donation in kind, okay? <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> so we're coming close to the, the closing here, and I want to just stick with uh, the company for a second because corporations should have at least a growth plan. And what happens when they need to pivot or exit strategy or whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. So I imagine there's somewhere uh, in your vision that there's a next level. Mm -hmm. uh, the question I'm going to ask you though is, 
what do you need to let go of to get to that next level? Oh, wow. See, you didn't tell me you, you're going to ask me like hard questions, Fred. Um, <laughs> well, I, I, I think in part, and this may sound strange, but I think in part, I, I need to let go of my way. Mm. And what I mean is, you know, oftentimes there's the, when you're starting something like this, there you have to do everything right you you're you're doing things you should not even have your hands on but you do it because you know you're a startup and you don't have a whole lot of money and you don't really have a no, whole lot of know-how at that point sometimes so um but when you've been doing you when you do it for a certain amount of time then you believe that your way is the way or you don't necessarily trust another way and i think that in order for me and for anybody else to get to the place they're supposed to be you have to let go of your way. You have to be able to cast a vision like, hey, you know what? I see this in the future. I see I see us being this mm. and be able to cast that and then take your hands off of it so that somebody else grabs a piece of that and they can take it and, you know, turn that into whatever it means to them in order to accomplish, you know, help you accomplish your vision. But if you're constantly stuck on your way, you're probably micromanaging. You're probably way too close and you need to kind of back up and give some space so you can continue to think and cast vision and move forward. Didn't sound that tough to me. You <laughs> on the spot with it. I really appreciate that. Yes, sir. Uh, and so we're coming down to our final question here for today. And what we like to do is uh, ask our guests that you can pick an age, either the 15-year-old you or the 22-year-old you. What advice would you give that individual? Hmm. Yeah, um, I think I would say you're going to be okay, right? I, I, I think I, in some, in a lot of ways, I think I, I felt, I always had friends, I always had people around, but I, a lot of ways I felt like I was somehow isolated hmm. because some, some of the things I wanted to do or maybe the ideas and just my, you know, I just felt isolated quite a bit. And so I think I would just tell myself, hey, you know, keep going because you'll find your tribe, you'll find your purpose. Don't stop. Right. Um, and so because I think if you're able to do that, then, you know, even at the time where things look down, um, as long as you know that you're going somewhere and that there is a somewhere to go, then you'll keep going and taking those next steps that we've been talking about today. So maybe that for you. Ladies and gentlemen, you have had the pleasure of spending time with Dr. Mike Perry on Ebony Tree Council off the top. Sir, brother, I thank you so much for taking the time and the space to uh, chop it up with me today. And we want to say to the audience, don't miss out on listening to this one. This is going to be one of our golden ones. I see encore presentations in the future. <laughs> well, I thank you, Fred. I appreciate you um, having me on. It's been my um, absolute honor, man. Anytime you need anything, um, I'm there. So I appreciate you, brother. Thank you, sir. Yes, sir. Okay. 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 Yes, yes, yes. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely outstanding. Yes. Thank you, Dr. Michael Perry, for all the insightful information you shared with us. I'm Richard Ford. Indeed. So insightful. I like that. You like insightful? Yes, yeah, yes. well, it was a lot. He gave us a lot. 
to really grab on to. Um, for you, sir, what really impacted you or what moments mm -hmm. impacted you? You know, I always feel, you know, nourished anytime I talk to Mike. But in this conversation, we were able to really talk about some things that were worth sharing and noting. Okay. Like, uh, for example, the big one for me was the recognition that, you know, the people that are responsible for your development don't always have your best interest at heart sometimes. That's yeah. not a normal occurrence, but there may be times when it happens. Yes. And being able to stand on the, the strength of knowing your worth, knowing your value, knowing your purpose, you can still glean something for that situation and it's going to open a door for you to go in a different direction. Yes, yes. Um, was was there anything else? Because for me, I, I just want to jump, just jump straight into this one about the detractors. Um. He said they're necessary. Yes, yes. That was pivotal for me, even in this moment right now in my life. That was pivotal. Um, he said they're necessary because they they provide you with that focus, mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. know, to, to paraphrase. They give you that thing that makes you really rely on you and your strengths. I, I was moved by that. Um, definitely, definitely. Um, and another one that, uh, was really close to home for me was we talked about mindfulness a little bit and how those practices help you to calm yourself so you can see and hear from God much more clearer. And that, that really, uh, home for me. Yeah. Um, one of the other, uh, as you call it, nuggets, nuggets, nuggets. <laughs> um, when he said, all you need is one opportunity. Yeah. To change your life, you just got to be ready. Just got to be ready. Mm -hmm. When opportunity knocks, know how to take it yes. and use it. And because sometimes, as, as we learned, uh, Mr. Michael had, you know, got ceremoniously uh, removed from, from his mm -hmm. academy, um, Naval Academy appointment. Um, but he turned that yep. into this great man we see today. Absolutely. That and in any other case could have shattered someone. Mm -hmm. But he took that moment because he had support from his family. Yes. That's the yes. key. Yes. It was the support. So we just want to make sure everyone grasps and holds on to Dr. Perry's information because yeah, we all could use it even in this latter part of our lives. Did I say it was target rich? Target rich. <laughs> target rich, yes. So was. let's talk about the numbers. Let's talk about the numbers. <laughs> yeah. You know, this is my favorite part yeah. because um, so much <laughs> I learn from these mm. numbers. Okay. So although Dr. Perry owns a company, a thriving uh, business, I may add, too. Uh, he is a psychologist. Mm -hmm. And so we brought numbers about psychologists. And they start out with $84,572. All 
I think that's good because I'm pretty sure you negotiate that up. Mm-hmm. That's just that is just the baseline. I'm right, sure. Right. Um, and then this says a lot too, and this just hit me. <laughs> There's going to be a 14 percent growth. Uh, that says we're gonna need a lot of folks talking <laughs> to a lot of people. That just really hit me. Yeah, these are the times. So I mean, yes. with all the things that are happening in our world today. It, it means to me also that people are becoming okay with yes seeking assistance yes. for their well-being and mental health. And that's good. Yes. Don't be afraid to address your psychosis. Yeah. It's okay. You know, or your issues or your, or your feelings. Um, openings. At the time of this podcast, there were 12,000... 758 openings. Hmm. Hmm. Yes. And we as African Americans, uh, we are only 4.7% of that. Hmm. Yet we have so many stressors. Hmm. Absolutely. That we need (laughs) to sit down and discuss with someone who does not judge us. And, you know, you know, part of what you're saying, you know, brings to mind the fact that mental health is an area where it's been tough for us as a culture and a community to mm-hmm. really get comfortable with expressing that. Yes. Part of that is because we don't see people that look like us on the other side of that table or couch or what have you. Yes. But it's yes. so critical to the total person. Yes. You know, trust is everything. Yeah. Um, and so, having said all of that, sir, mm-hmm. we need to say thank you again. Yes. Thank to you, Dr. sir. To Dr. Perry. Um, you gave us a lot. Mm-hmm. We appreciate you being so transparent. Um, and then we'd like to thank our listeners. Yes. Thank you as well. You are appreciated. Always go ahead and like, comment, share, or subscribe to our podcast uh, to help us grow. Because this is about more than us. Yes. This is really about our future and a portion of what we do to really impact generational wealth and wealth gap. Bringing things to the forefront of our community, to our young. Bring it on home, baby. Okay. So, <laughs> so as always, we like to say, listen, learn, connect. And go deep for the culture. And go deep for the culture. You have been listening to Off the Top, where black excellence dwells. If you enjoyed this episode, please comment below. Share with your friends and family. And come back for the next episode where we will continuously provide usable, tangible, life-shifting information.